Hello everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 130. It is a number that if you took off the zero, it'd be 13. That's unlucky for some, not for me, because I was born on 13th. Uh, on a Friday, as everyone should know, and therefore I'm immune to any kind of You've bad You've made luck. it this far. I've made it this far. We're at episode 130. Nothing's gone wrong. Uh, and we have continued to do this show. It continues to exist, which is very, very good. And I'm also joined by someone who has also survived all doing these shows for however long. It is Bali. How are you doing, Bali? I'm very good. It's been quite a while. It'll be a landmark episode next episode, but so maybe we, we mm-hmm. can mention that then. Sure, absolutely. But uh but yeah, we've been doing some things and stuff. Uh you've been busy, Bali, things been happening. Yeah, I've been pretty busy. Um and it's not great being really busy when one of the longest games ever in Red Dead Two has just come out. So that's been I know that's been difficult, but I'm looking forward to, you know, that holiday season where you get a bit of time off work and it's just a good time where it's it's cold outside and you can just be horizontal and listen to game of the year podcasts and play some games so i'm pretty excited yes. about that oh i'm very very excited about that that's all i want to do is like lie down and have giant bomb inside my oh. ears and just oh, do nothing else too good oh. uh so yes as we yearn for those times they are coming and we're obviously going to be a part of doing some of that stuff we're going to do some game of the year podcasts and things of that like and we'll probably talk a bit more about it when we get a bit closer to the time maybe next episode but uh but yeah um some fun things to talk about lots of great games have come out this year and we're gonna talk about some more of them so bali let people know what it is we're gonna be talking about on the show today first segment we're going to be talking about what we have been playing second segment will be an email segment and third segment there was a smash brothers ultimate direct the ultimate direct the final direct uh, before smash ultimate comes out exactly using the word in its correct usage exactly. i always liked when i learned the word penultimate and not realizing that ultimate would be the one that followed it it's like the penultimate <laughs> is the one before the last that means the ultimate is the last but didn't realize that until way later so there you go that's the englishness for you so yeah so. A, lot, a lot of stuff happened with that direct that we need to give our hot takes on oh yeah debrief uh and de-steam after it so uh so yeah it was weird because we did talk about all the rumors last time and then all of a sudden it was like Bam. oh by the way now here's a direct uh so a lot of smash brothers chat but i guess that's you know we're very close to release that game so it's inevitable that's going to happen on a nintendo podcast of all indeed. things so indeed so yeah um, so let's kick things off then, Mally. What are the video games you've been diving into? Well, talking of Game of the Year and a game that you have been very hot on, um, just last episode, uh, that game is Into the Breach. I was like, I need to play this game. I like Advance Wars. I like Fire Emblem. I should be playing this turn-based strategy game. Uh, yes. And I wanted to squeeze it in before Game of the Year so we could have a good discussion. You know, it's always nice Definitely. playing games in the year they come out for the, that very reason. And I'm absolutely loving it so far. It is pretty tough uh, i've not beaten it on right. normal yet uh i i'm keen to beat it on normal having done a four island run so you have a number of islands you can choose to defeat or not defeat and minimum of two before facing uh, sort of like a final island yeah um, it kind of gives you options and every different uh, kind of mech party that you have you have little like medals and rewards so yeah it feels like the game as a roguelike obviously it is built to be replayed again and again but it feels like it's really built that idea into all of its systems because by doing multiple runs you will gain currency that you can then use to unlock a bunch of different mechs and with each set of mechs you can do a two island victory a three island victory or a four island victory and each of those gets kind of harder 
as it goes because the yeah. longer you play the game obviously the more resources you have to keep track of and not make sure your power grid goes down and make sure all your mechs are surviving not let any pilots die like there's a lot to keep track of so doing four islands and then finishing the game is a lot tougher than doing two and so they reward you for doing that with you know little achievements and things that will tick off on each different party so the fact that you can do that and i think there's like eight different mech groups total yeah there's all eight, of them I think, yeah and i've only got two so far. it feels like if you wanted to do everything it would take you a pretty damn long time to do so yeah i mean i i don't know if i'll have the energy to unlock all eight sets but maybe if i just no, rush yeah. through it on the easy a few times i might unlock at least most of them uh and it what's just so impressive is it feels so distinct from anything like advance wars or fire emblem obviously there's elements that are similar but there's such a huge emphasis on positioning and pushing yes. your enemies into like holes and into water and just pushing them away from attacking buildings and I guess that idea of attacking buildings and uh, in the advanced wars is more to use obviously capturing buildings rather than attacking buildings. Um, so in that sense, it's maybe it feels slightly more like advanced wars, but at the yeah, same time, because that... I think Fire Emblem, a lot of the objectives are like kill all the enemies, whereas. Sure. In this game, because you don't have an army, like you don't have a huge group of units, you're only commanding three. And so the the brilliant thing about it is it really reduces the number of options you have. So you have to make the tough choices. You have to decide which thing is going to be sacrificed mm. and what would be most beneficial to that given situation. Like, can you afford to take a power grid hit if you're on an island where one of the bonuses is that you get a power grid back from it? Right. So like, you know that if you are able to take that hit, you're going to get it back uh, for doing something else, some other objective. So it is definitely balancing those. The cost of regaining power for like your power grid is like you either have to complete an entire map defending a power source uh and then you gain one power grid energy back or you have to spend at the end of that island like an entire i guess it's like a victory um victory point or something on that one thing just to heal up your energy again so like it's the second and that's just from taking one hit on one building and there are some buildings that represent two levels of energy that can be hit by a powerful enemy and you can take two hits in a single hit in a single right. turn and like and then there's also the ability for depending on your pilot stuff and things like that for your grid defense to increase right so it can go up to 25 percent max means... of 25 so you've got a one yeah. in four of when that building gets hit of it of that building resisting that damage yes which, and that's um, happened in some clutch moments for me where i'm like oh god i survived because yeah, that building yeah. just yeah. Hacks, defended itself the hacks, is, the hacks is here and right and yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and i think it has to have that somewhat element of luck to it to to make that exciting it's maybe the only random element in the whole game arguably exactly i can't think of another one to be honest no because because the entire game is based around this chess-like idea of them well it's not chess-like because you don't know what your opponent's going to do but i don't it feels very chess-like and it's set up because of the eight by eight grid but the idea that they show you what your move is going to or what their move is going to be every turn means that you have to like get around that you know exactly what's going to happen you just need to execute on you know stopping it or or minimizing as much damage as possible yeah and like it is weird that the enemies move and then you move and attack and then the enemies attack which feels very different right it's a strange sandwich thing almost isn't it yeah they have half their turn then you have your full turn then they have the other half of their turn right Um, but i don't know that the game would work without it because it it is built 
around that entire system like that is the point of the game so exactly and in in that sort of energy defense thing we're talking about before which is your essential life bar uh, before you get a game over um while as much as that's difficult to defend what i also find really difficult and slow and really tough is just upgrading your units between maps so between islands the enemies will progressively get tougher they'll start dealing more damage they take more hits um i don't think they they spawn more between islands but i think the amount they spawn is based on whether you're on easy or normal i think that right just get harder it's like the difficulty of the enemies right the difficulty of the enemies and so you're needing to upgrade your units to do more damage and to move further and to become more powerful gain different weapons and you always feel, even if you absolutely ace ace some uh, ace in a whole island where you get loads of victory points, that you can then spend to upgrade your units. You, even if you absolutely nail it, you never feel like you have enough money to upgrade them. And this is far more so with normal because easy, yes. you feel like you're matching them and outdoing them often, especially by the final island I found so far. But on normal, it's just like this absolute painstaking grind to even get a unit to do one extra damage and at the same time that the the enemy unit has just doubled its its hit points or something and you're just like god it, it just really is quick to unravel because the second that you're ending up spending your victory points on healing up your energy instead of upgrading your units you know that when you go to the next island you're going to get your ass kicked because your units just aren't powerful enough because you've spent all your money on essentially your shield your hp um when really you right you need to be spending it on your units um yeah and, and, and that's the tough thing tough. right is because a lot of those weapons that you buy you can't just instantly use them you have to have enough um kind of upgrade points as it right. were on your mech to like slot them in so every mech has a certain amount of points that they're given when they start and that is what you use for your weapons and for your health and things like that and so every map you get the opportunity sometimes there might be a pod that falls down and in those pods you can get yeah you can get like upgrade tokens which will help you get another notch that you can use to kind of slot in on your mech so there are things like you get a a flamethrower but in order to use the flamethrower you need to have like three upgrade points and to get three upgrade points either you have to get really lucky with getting loads of pods or you have to spend all of your victory points on upgrade like capsules and those upgrade capsules cost three stars versus a lot of the other weapons and you know power grid stuff which costs a lot less so and and say for example like one island you get a total of nine stars for victory points you are kind of maxing out at three upgrade points which you're spending like one on each mech maybe or maybe you're doubling down on one mech and doing them all into that one but then your other mechs feel underpowered so it is a very tricky balance and normal is definitely a lot harsher with that because it feels like your units never progress that much throughout the campaign yeah so you're using a lot of basic abilities that you were using early on still even in the harder later parts of the campaign it's tough it's really tough but at the same time it's very addictive it's very well designed it never feels too unfair arguably it's tough but it it feels fair and it feels like there is a solution to each turn you know it feels like there is a right answer and there have been moments where i've sat there for 15 minutes 
and I have nailed it. And then I've like had this turn that is so fucking perfect because I sat there and thought through every possible option that I could make. Right. And having the ability, you can undo your entire turn once per level, which is very useful. Yeah, which is a really good thing to put in there because if you let people do that all the time, it just wouldn't be as interesting. Like it is a, a resource. It feels well balanced, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, that might have been something they put in at the very last minute because they were like, guys, our game is too tough. We need to, <laughs> we need to yeah. turn it down somehow. But Maybe I, I don't know. to some degree. But it works. And... I mean, this team made FTL, which is notoriously difficult and is a similar kind of roguelike um, oh, right. idea. And I've heard horror stories about how bad the ending of FTL is to f- even finish that game. So I think they went for a better balance here overall. Um, yeah. But it is one of those weird things where playing through easy kind of bores me, uh, honestly. Like, it it is a bit too mindless for someone like me who like really enjoys the depth of the strategy and it makes it because you're getting all the upgrades and it is very uh low spawn rates that you can pretty much do a lot of maps perfectly and i had like yeah. a couple of islands where i i got perfects and got every single objective and it wasn't very and then the third and fourth island by that point is very easy because your units are so powerful exactly and it just wasn't very engaging so playing on normal is definitely recommended but the problem is as we've talked about is like you don't get much upgrades and then afterwards because you haven't done as well you're not gaining as many achievements and therefore you're not getting as many coins which means you're not unlocking new sets of mechs to play with so it's this weird balance of like i kind of feel like i have to go through on easy to unlock some new mechs but i much prefer playing the game on normal because it's so much more interesting and engaging and challenging um so i don't even want to know what hard is like i'll probably do a hard run at some point Mm, just to see but going from normal i can't imagine like beating the game on hard it feels like it's maybe a bridge too far for me Uh, yeah but But it's a great game i'm really glad i've um decided to give it a go before the end of the year and i'm gonna keep on going and i didn't quite beat bad north but i'm determined to beat this game on normal on normal at least yeah having at least beaten four islands i mean you can do that i i managed to beat it on normal and you beat it after four islands or two, uh, two. yeah well no i did for normal i did a two island victory okay. um, right. i've done a two island and a three island victory for easy um not done a four island one yet so okay but yeah. cool yes i'm looking forward to playing more of that um i've also been playing more red dead 2 um i'm not massively far maybe six to eight hours in which i believe is still in chapter two that sort of second the valentine town area um really enjoying it it's very confusing it's very overwhelming uh, I'm trying to just kind of forget about how overwhelming everything is and just keep on doing side missions, keep on doing main missions. And I, it, the game is gradually telling me this is how you do X, this is how you do Y. Um, it's just quite sl- it's quite a slow process. And I'm not feeling like I'm addicted to playing overly long play sessions like i have done with maybe some other longer games this year and i'm yeah. sure i'm sure it, it'll get into its stride i've just not gotten into it yet and it, partly because i've been playing quite a bit of into the breach so i'm i need that i need that time and space to just really go for it with red dead but like one funny thing that happened to me uh was it's like a mission where i think it's just teaching you how to basically catch someone and hog tie them and then put them on your horse yeah and i chased the dude i hog tied him like it told me to put on my horse and then you're meant to go to a, a place and at that point you would meant to just look for like this treasure or a bounty or I'd, like it's like treasure hidden in a tree essentially and 
the game wasn't really clear about what you meant to do with the hogtie dude on your horse. So I got him, took him off my horse uh, and untied him just to see what he would do, whether he'd be like, yeah, the treasure's here, or you need to go here, or what would happen. And he just started running away from me. So I'm <laughs> like, well, I guess I need this guy. I'm going to chase him again. And I'm just running along, chasing him. I, I kind of throw my lasso a, a couple of times. Or I think, can you lasso while running? I think I was just going to tackle him. Um, but then as we're running along, he basically trips and falls and then knocks his head on like a rock and dies. And I'm just left there wow. like, crap, do, do I need this guy? <laughs> this is like a, I think it's it's one of the story missions. Like, what am I meant to do here? And then I was like, crap, I hope someone doesn't see me. Like, I need to hide this guy. So I like dragging this body like to some underneath a rock basically and i got back found the treasure and moved on with my life but it was just weird and like I'm, i am liking that about this game and that i am enjoying just going up to people and seeing how they react where there were just a couple of people having a campfire and uh, i walk up and they're like excuse me sir you're gonna have to need to you're gonna need to go away and i'm like i'm Gonna play. I'm gonna play this out and be as good guy and friendly as possible. Uh, but what I'm not gonna do is just leg it because they're telling me to. So I just stood my ground, and then obviously they started pulling their guns on me, and then I pulled my gun on them, and then we had a shootout. I won. They were both dead, and then I basically hid the two bodies around the back of their campsite and used their campsite for like that night. And then in the morning, <laughs> got up and went away. And then in the morning, there was like this thing saying witness or something. So I think someone heard gunshots and he reported us. Right. But it never. I don't think it ever led to anything. But anything because they never saw me, and I made sure that the people who saw me saw me shooting were killed so that kind of these knock-on effects is it's kind of cool and like i'm excited to see where more of that goes but yeah it's yeah. it's fun but I, I need to i need to play more yeah I, I yeah i just haven't had as much of that stuff and maybe it's because i am less prone to just wandering about because to me it just feels like there isn't much to wonder about and do but maybe it's it's just more of a case of me trying some things and and trying to do some weird stuff with interacting with people i feel like i never click antagonize on people oh i um, didn't either and they still because i'm just worried guns. that it's just gonna mess things up and i'm gonna have to run away and, and pay a bounty but honestly like since doing a lot of other missions you start earning a lot of cash and i've basically almost completed the ledger at this point because of how much money i made like there was oh, one nice. mission where we were robbing the bank and i was able to take like 10 grand and so Oof. my cut from that was like one and a half grand so i had loads of loads of money um and i was just pumping it into the ledger and just making sure the whole camp was happy and, and sorted and everything which was it kind of has taken away my need to like go and, and rob people and, and find stuff and do side stuff i guess because mm. the main story has liquidated me to the point where it's have you got the hang but... of dead eye yet I don't know. I mean, it was in the first game, and I used it quite a bit in the first game, but I can't remember a huge amount about it. It is something I always forget about. And the other thing is, I, I'm some of the, I'm someone who like with finite resources, I don't like using them. Like when I play sure, through, I know what you mean. RPGs, you yeah. keep all your potions, and you never end up using them at the end of the game. You still have them all. So like, I have all these resources to use to be like, oh, fill up your dead eye. But I'm like, oh, but I could use that at a really useful opportunity when I really have to have to use it instead of using it in the middle of combat. So and because dead eye is not something that naturally comes back, I don't think. Uh, unlike your health and your, sure. your stamina and you can just play it as 
rather than just be some insanely awesome cowboy who shoots five guys in a row, you can just play it more as a cover shooter and I yes. guess do it that way, which I guess is what I've been doing so right. far. Not that I've engaged in a ton of shootouts yet, but I know that that's yeah. going to come later. Yeah, and you can, I guess, use it just for one shot at a time and then undo it and then reload it again and, and keep going like that. But um, but yeah, I'd, the thing that annoys me is there's been a lot of horse riding sequences where i have to shoot at the same time Oh, it feels awful it feels so bad it doesn't work at all it's just not built for it the only way it works is if you're behind them chasing them and you're shooting your gun in front of you anything else because you can see where you're going exactly Um, which yeah because you have to like rotate the camera behind you while still tapping the x button because they thought that was a good idea actually one of the tool tips that came up i paid attention to was really useful if you tap x in time, in time with, with yes the pace yes. of your horse you don't actually lose stamina right which has been a revelation like it it has made my horse riding more engaging because it's something that i'm actually trying to yeah. do so it's like um, a few quick taps to get your horse up to speed and then once they're at speed it's just a rhythmical yes you know rhythmic i should say like um tapping yeah no I've, i i only just learned that as well yeah it's almost like a mini game that really it makes it so that the riding is less about like holding down a button or just randomly tapping a button and there's actually a purpose to it uh which you know has has exacerbated some of my woes about that system and but um but yeah i don't know there's i've mainly as i said before just been following the main thread the main plot and it's been good and i i like the area i'm in right now uh that it's a town where it's basically owned by this one family and there's this other family who's other they're both like really big rich powerful families and it's there's this one quest that is almost this romeo and juliet thing where there's this you know one uh, boy from the gray family and she, he's in love with the braithwaite girl so you have to go and deliver a letter and you have to like stealth through the braithwaite estate like swim to this island that she's at and give her the letter and, and things like that and it's been interesting because they the gang like plays both families off each other and like robs both families and i like the chapter set up in that way because it mm. has framed like i'm in this area and this is the central conflict of this area is like this family owns everything and, and a lot of the quests are going to intersect with uh those different characters and they're going to come back and you're going to get to know them a bit more so um I, i've liked that about it definitely um but yeah it's just very long and as we've already said just slow so it's it's not something that you can easily pick up and play no, it's more it like not. you have to sink <laughs> yep. into it yep. and just let it wash over you so again it's not really an evening game for me because it, it no, doesn't no really and i've been i've been that. struggling to fit it in for that reason as well it's just very hard to get in get doing some useful things and say i've accomplished x in my play yeah. session i mean um, i have actually been doing like a couple of missions uh but it's it's more because like i just want to get through the story than anything else and i know that otherwise it's going to take me literally forever to even finish it so mm so yeah uh that's red dead any anything else to say on it before um i'm on? sure i'll have plenty more to say in upcoming episodes as i delve deeper um but okay. yeah it's not it's not the most addictive hottest no, game ever it's not a fun it, game cool. to play um yeah. but it is impressive in a lot of ways and it does some some interesting things so you know um it's it's a thing that people will be talking about so 
yes, so I then have... Uh, well, when I went at home, basically, I decided I wasn't going to take my PS4 because it would be a pain to pack and everything and then take on a plane. So I had my Switch, and I've been meaning to play the DLC for Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which is called Torna the Golden Country. Um, and it is essentially a expansion that is also a standalone game. Um, so it's similar to, I guess... I feel like Uncharted The Lost Legacy started because they were like, it's going to be DLC for Uncharted 4, but then it got so big that it morphed into its own thing and it was a standalone release. So it feels like a similar thing has happened here where it's like there's the season pass for Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and that has a bunch of bullshit. Like, here are some more side quests and here are some, like, quality of life things that we fixed and here are some new blades that you can do with your party. Um, Whereas Torn of the Golden Country is... It feels more like a game unto itself uh, than an expansion, although in some ways not wholly because it is a lot smaller in scope. Uh, For example, there are only two titans that exist uh, that you can go to. So one of them is Gormot, which is the opening titan of the original Xenoblade 2, and the other one is Torna, which it is named after, which is one of the titans that basically is non-existent in Xenoblade 2 because it was destroyed and, and things had happened in the past. And I would say that if you haven't played the original game i wouldn't recommend playing this even though it is a much tighter uh experience and probably is more appealing to a lot of people for that reason just because the narrative stuff and the story stuff is probably not going to make a lot of sense to you um it very much is linked into this idea and you know i've talked about this before but i really like in stories where it's like 500 years ago this thing happened and now it links to this thing and it's why i love the phoenix wright games it's why uh the original xenoblade is is really cool there's a lot of games that have those ideas of of stuff that has happened before and this is giving you the peek behind the curtain it's like okay what if we did the game where it is set 500 years ago Uh, and that's exactly what xenoblade chronicles 2 is so it follows Jin, who's one of the blades from the original game and his original driver laura and they are kind of the core central characters it's really their story but you meet up with adam who is kind of this fabled myth of legend and in the original xenoblade 2 they make him so mysterious and like they have a hood on him you never see his face it's just like never revealed he's kind of this um i think it's a very interesting commentary almost on how we view legends and myths and and people Um, and this happened with game of thrones as well i think because in Game of Thrones, they're constantly talking about like all these uh, heroes of, of the past and how amazing and legendary they were. And then they do these flashback sequences, like when they're at the tower and um, there's that one guy, I can't remember, is it like Sir Arthur Dane or something? And he's just like a regular dude, like he's a pretty good fighter, but there's there's nothing like you kind of lose the mythos around it when you actually see the the person. Uh, and so Adam is is really just like a goofy idiot um and it isn't really that mythical figure that was uh shown in the original xenoblade 2 so I, th- I thought it was quite a funny comparison and and jarring in some senses but uh so he's on your team and then you also have um uh i can't remember now yeah there's there's someone else who joins you I th- oh yeah it's the the guy from morar dane morar dane is the scottish titan uh which is the empire and i think we talked about that before about it. it's mm. weird that the scottish being imperials and everything and the original <laughs> um and he looks literally exactly the same as the emperor in xenoblade 2 so it's one of those things where it's like uh the character is just the same it's like link and zelda they always look the goddamn same even though they're different people over the years it's just the same character model yeah, and everything, yeah. which i found quite funny um so those are your core party members and the way it works this time is opposed to you having 
the gacha system of oh we have all these crystals and you have to open them up like loot boxes to see what blades you get inside and even if you have like a legendary core there could be a chance you just get a regular old blade out of it and you you don't get anything good and it's a bunch of shit um this time because it is more focused on just these characters you don't have to do that uh, so every character is basically playable and you can switch this time between the blades and between your kind of human i guess characters the, the main characters uh, and it changes up some of the systems so previously in order to get health you would have to do certain arts that would give you health or there would be one that would spawn health potions now when you switch between characters it gives you a bit of a bump to your health so it's encouraging you to switch up quite a lot and make sure that you are uh, valuing uh, all the members and making sure that you um are able to chain things together so like break and topple will often be tied to when a character enters the battle so one of the arts that laura has would break them and then when you switch to Jin, he automatically topples with the attack that he comes in with so there's like a jump in attack when you switch characters uh, and that creates the moments where you're like okay and then i'm gonna launch them and then i'm gonna smash them down to the ground so it's building up a lot of the combos and things that were in the original game but streamlining it somewhat now because you don't have as much to worry about like you're only have a couple of characters that you can switch between so uh, it makes it a much more easy proposition to get into even though the combat in xenoblade 2 is quite overwhelming uh, at first and it takes a lot of understanding but once you know what to do it is so much fun and i really enjoy it because it has like i was talking about with red dead with that rhythmical thing with the horse every time that you use an art if you use it right after you have done a auto attack a blue circle pops up and it's basically like they call it a cancel but it basically means that that art does more damage and it also fills up your special meter um, and so it's a similar system of using specials this time though in order to get the orb on them so previously what would happen is you get these different colored orbs which were based around the elements so like wind and fire and and, and rock and whatever they would only attach an orb to an enemy after you had gone through a full cycle of specials so you'd have to do one special from one team member uh the second level from another and the third level from another then you would have an orb this time the orbs happen after every individual special so if you do three specials you now have three orbs so it makes it when you get to the chain attack so much easier to deal out that high amount of damage um, because when you're bursting those orbs it gives you the ability to get another turn and eventually you'll get a full burst which means you're just like smashing them to pieces and it is one of those layered systems that as i'm explaining it i realize how fucking complicated it is (laughs) but once you understand it it feels sublime to play and i just i really love it and i think they just have done a great job of streamlining it and making it a much smoother experience for people to go through um but just the feelings that xenoblade gives me are all there it is uh, the, the the continent of torna is split into four sections so it does have some variety in the locales there's like a large desert section there's a huge sprawling town um there's a really nice grassy landmass. like it it does have a good variety in its locales that obviously it's not gonna um live up to the previous game just because they had much wider scope like the uh the the church-like uh whiteness of indoline and and it's like choral music that i loved so much and uh that stuff is not going to be here there's not as much variety but there's something to me about the xenoblade games of just wandering and getting lost in them and 
just now because i like the combat so much just fighting enemies and leveling up and um and even it comes down to just like the little sound effects that happen when you find something in the field and it's like oh here's an insect area where you can just collect a bunch of insects and you like lean down you open it up and they all pop out and every time you collect them there's just a really nice jingle to it and you always feel like you're getting stuff that's going to be useful to you um there's a great sense of progression and even though it feels like you're just wandering around this huge expanse in comparison to red dead where it feels like you're doing nothing it feels like you're constantly achieving and doing something in xenoblade whether it be discovering locations or just seeing something that is awe-inspiring or leveling up through your battles or uh, using some of your field abilities which is again another thing that has been made much easier this time because obviously in the previous game the field abilities were tied to whatever blades you had and if you didn't have the right blade with the right ability then jesus it was a nightmare to just like juggle them around but because everything is fixed in this game it's very clear what you need to do in order to get to the next level and so you know in the affinity chart it will say to up mithra's focus to whatever you need to do this you need to put this type of food in her pouch and it can get a little convoluted um i will say because there there were moments where i wanted to get somewhere and it's like okay you need level two focus in order to get level two focus you need to have this specific type of food that mithra likes and put it in her pouch so i'm like okay how do i make that food okay i need these ingredients where the fuck are those ingredients i need to go out find those ingredients which are random drops then i need to go to my camp cook them in the camp make them put them into her pouch and then she gets the skill unlocked like it feels like you're working backwards quite a bit to do some of those tasks um which is i guess uh, a minor complaint and I, i think it is more to do with some of the the nonsense that the original game was bogged down in and was a little bit um uh, fiddly but uh overall because it has reined in the gacha system and it's reined in the field skills it's 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 taken a lot of those parts that were very very stodgy and lightened them and and made them much more engaging and and it, it felt like i wanted to really do a lot of the side quests and stuff and the one problem i have is that it is very side quest focused the main story is not super long and i probably could have finished the main story in under 10 hours had i been able to but what the game does is there's this community system and every npc you come across uh, gets added to it npcs who have quests uh, once you do them they get put into this giant circle thing so you remember like the affinity charts from the original xenoblade and stuff like that mm. which were this these massive like webs that made no sense there's all these lines collecting them i think i beat the game without even which... fully understanding what that was all about no yeah i never really focus on it too much but this one is a lot more simple because it's just this big circle and every time you beat a quest a person goes into it and you need to raise the level by getting more people into that circle uh, and it feels like you need to get a lot of people but some quests will give you multiple so you could do a quest where you get three people even though it was just one quest because those three characters were important to that storyline um and so what it does near the end of the game is it's like well malos is gonna kill destroy the world but he's not ready to do it yet so let's do some side quests and it basically forces you to get your community up to level four which is quite a lot considering that I thought I'd been doing loads of side quests and I had my community up to level two. And I was like, okay, I feel like I've been doing loads and I've really been digging in. And then it's like, nope, level four. And I'm like, gee, like I need 32 more people because it's 16 people to raise it one level. And so you think like if every side quest only gives me one person, that's like a maximum of 32 side quests, probably minimum of like 20. So I just went around doing them, which I was fine with actually only took me like three or four hours. Uh, And it was, you know, I was 
off and I had holiday time. So I didn't feel like I was, you know, wasting uh, hours that I had doing this grinding because it was enjoyable. I was really enjoying Xenoblade, but I would say it could have been lightened down even more. Um, As it was, it probably took me about 16 hours to finish total, but uh, really enjoyed it. Um, Think that it's a a great add-on if if you enjoyed the original Xenoblade 2 and, and had some reservations about certain things I've mentioned it definitely addresses a lot of those problems storytelling is still not quite up there with the original as far as i'm concerned they haven't really topped it um and uh and yeah i don't know it's it's good to just play more in this world and obviously the music is a huge uh, part of why i like to just sink into these games because while you're exploring those vast landscapes just having this incredible orchestral soundtrack in the background is 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 phenomenal so yeah really really loved it and uh yeah would recommend it to people so there you go all right uh well that is pretty much going to close us out for this segment uh we are going to be back after the break though we're going to talk about some of your emails so don't go anywhere we will be right back Welcome back to part two of today's show. It is time for your emails. Um, We've had quite a few in, but not really because most of them are on Discord. So we would like actual emails in as well. But if you would rather post in Discord, we want them all. So yeah, head on over to our Discord server, which is in the description. Also on our Twitter account or send us an email to thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. We would much appreciate your comments, your questions, we we read them all. Um, we would love that. So our first email this week is from Damon C. from the US of A. What are your guys' guilty pleasure games? The ones you always fall back on no matter how much you have already played it. For me, it is The Binding of Isaac. I've sunk 970 hours into the Switch version and see no end in sight. The game is full of so much randomness and insane synergies that it keeps me coming back for more. Add in the constant ability to unlock items and achievements after nearly every victory and you have a winner in my eyes. Keep it up, guys. Okay, Uh, so I feel like we do less of this these days just because oh, yeah. of yeah. the nature of we just move on from games a lot but definitely a lot of games over the years that we have just sunk into and there's still games that i do this with that i will play and go back to as comfort and as something that is easy and relaxing um what, what is one for you bali that sticks out 
Well, like you, it was, there was a lot of games traditionally that before we were kind of podcasting, I was just playing whatever I fancied more often. <laughs> um, there were a lot more. But currently, I guess my go-to game is a bit of multiplayer Rocket League uh, with Caroline. Yeah, nice. uh, yeah you put like guilty. 90 hours into Rocket League. Oh, yeah, League. at least now. Um, but the phrase, and because we play it local, the whole Nintendo Switch Online stuff hasn't changed the way that we play that game because we just play with a couple of expert bots each, basically. So... Yeah, the phrase guilty implies that the game itself maybe isn't good in my mind. I don't know. I don't know. But... It's uh, Guilty pleasure is always one of those weird things because it's like, oh, this is a thing that society deems bad or something like that. Sure. You know? uh, which I wouldn't say that for Binding of Isaac. Like, it's a very critically acclaimed game. But... I guess it's more more like, what are your comfort games almost, you know? Yeah, and and as you said with the with the podcast, I do try and move on swiftly between games and talk about new games that I've played and things. So the time for guilty pleasures has been reduced significantly, but that's okay. Uh, but back in the day, there was a huge number of guilty pleasures for a number of reasons. A like without the podcast, it was a lot more time and space to play longer hours into games that might not be so interesting to talk about but b like my taste in games was just kind of horrible back then in comparison <laughs> to what it is now so i would sink so much time into like world cup 98 on my n64 just playing whole world cups with scotland and with other countries and play through an entire uh world cup in like a morning or something it would take ages and seasons yeah yeah just seasons and i'd play a ton that's of... what i did with fifa 2000 was i would just take celtic and i would just put them through season after season after season yeah and the ai was really bad in that game so i would constantly be winning like seven nine nil or like sure, ten sure. nil and i would my goal was always to just get as high as possible and just get as many um clean sheets as yeah. possible and then i'd play a ton of like Burnout 2 Point of Impact on the GameCube, which is a really good game. But I'd always, I'd, I'd like go back to the same track and just keep playing that one track to like get a better time trial score. I mean, yeah, that was you all the time, like especially with Mario yeah. Kart was just Mario time Kart. trials galore. Just time trial after time trial, nonstop. Obsessed with time trials on Double Dash and we, uh, that was like one of my flatmates at uni, we were we'd like have lectures at different times and so whenever one of us wasn't doing lectures we'd be trying to beat the ghost of like the <laughs> the other person and then it's like oh God. came back from a lecture and noticed that he'd knocked off a few seconds and i'd have to like <laughs> constantly keep beating it and oh and so that was like on like luigi's, the internal luigi's competition of it right yeah. luigi's circuit on america we that was that was good and this our guilty pleasure growing up i guess with mario <laughs> mario party sure just, yeah there was just a ton of that so as we've mentioned many a time on the show yeah um it's funny because mario kart wii is definitely one of those games that i know you went so deep into at mm. a level that is almost unhealthy i think i don't know it was <laughs> like you i remember just the ghosts that you would do and they they had some online challenges didn't they with mario kart wii yeah well? really cool ones where it'd be like you've got a week to do this and i was like the top in europe for a time or i was like what? this for a time like i because I, I did it straight away and i got initially into like the top 20 and then i got gradually butted out oh, okay so you're just a bit of a keen bean about it right right but there was a couple of them that i really thought i had a good chance of like getting into the top 10 so i'd really push like crazy to do it and i was always just a few split seconds off outside as i'm sure most people would end up being but yeah, that was a really cool mode that I don't know, I guess never happened with uh, 8 in the same way. Yeah, not quite. It 
I really wish that there was stronger single player stuff in Mario Kart 8. It really is the bare bones and um and the, the online stuff was cool that they added all the stuff in terms of like the grouping and the matching and like when we were live streaming some Mario Kart 8 a few years ago uh it was very easy to get people together and do it because all you needed to do was create one room with one code and people didn't have to match friend codes with each other uh which Mm. was a much better more streamlined way of like getting a large group of people who don't have everyone necessarily added uh on so if like a streaming situation it, it worked pretty great um but there wasn't that level of oh we have this constant almost games as a service type thing the america we was doing where they had you just keep coming back to do those challenges every time and 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 they reminded me maybe to some degree of the mission mode in ds and and things like that but um but yeah mario generally is is one that i've spent a lot of time with despite the fact i'm not as big of a fan as of it as you are um but i definitely put a lot of time into mario kart and it's one of those games that i imagine if i did have on switch i would probably spend more time with just because it's there um and it's very easy to just do gps yeah and, and we've both re- both resisted it on switch so far right because i don't know i what do you feel about mario kart 9 do you feel like it's on the horizon or is there any a chance of it happening maybe, on switch maybe not horizon but i do i am definitely a positive there will be a um, mario kart or a smash smashification of mario kart on switch at some point yeah. i don't think it's going to be anywhere near 2019 or even 2020 it'll probably be mm. slightly at the back end of what could be i guess a very long life cycle we'll see yeah well I, obviously mario kart 8 still selling bananas like it's exactly. past 10 million you'd be um, mad to do anything to that formula for now so right it's um it's just a weird situation they've got themselves into because it's like hey there's this basically remaster that has sold 10 million copies and sold more than the original <laughs> game it's oh, like God, what yeah. the fuck man it's it's so messed up how badly the wii u did that a remaster of a wii u game can do so much better when the console is yeah. more appealing to and people. like i'm sure um, tropical freeze is gonna pass the wii u one at some oh, point oh i think it already and, has I'm yeah pretty sure it has and, done yeah um, bayonet and stuff like that i'm sure yeah all gonna happen all those games just making it look like and more and more the wii u just gets stripped of its identity and it's just you know this this footnote on history but um back to games that we find i guess guilty pleasures we put loads of time into um guitar hero is a huge one for me Mm. all versions of guitar hero uh i i love the high score chase in that series mainly because there's always room for improvement um i'm never good enough to usually get like perfect 100 percent all the time and so i like playing on expert a lot i like playing on hard for certain songs and obviously it just introduced me to like a whole world of music with guitar hero 3 but there is something about the track list in guitar hero 3 that is so much fun to play more so than any other game in the series i i never felt like the note highways were quite as good as the song selection in three and there was something about the complexity of those different songs and the way that you would do hammer-ons and pull-offs and your fingers would just like glide from side to side that was so 
comforting and familiar and it it's you know it's what made me want to play the goddamn guitar for god's sake so mm. uh it is it's one of those games that i will always go back to despite these days having it be a bit harder to play because of the the lag stuff with the wii and modern tvs and having to yeah, like reset yeah. the um the timing and the the d- delay in order to make it work well and the, there was something else about guitar Hero 3 in terms of when you hit the notes i never thought the feedback ever was quite as good from the other games like in the rock band i never enjoyed it as much in terms of when you actually hit the notes and saw that they were hit uh it was always just very high up that list but i think i've put like probably 200 hours into guitar heroes all combined um and if i had it here right now and i was able to play it constantly i probably would do a lot more just as a you know because i don't listen to as much music these days so it's kind of a good yeah. uh, hit two birds with one stone affair because you're like listening to a bunch of music but also being engaged and playing a game at the same time so yeah it's not exactly a podcasting game no no, no. of course not yeah yeah <laughs> like the whole point is you that'd have be to a weird listen. a weird ass skill to be able to listen to i mean i guess you, you can do it like it's definitely possible but it's not preferable um no. you know like a lot of podcasts have like background music so if you treat it in that sense sure, like, sure it's the background music but then you don't hear when you mess up and things like that so yeah but yeah um damon thank you for your email um yeah sorry to disappoint i've got some more i've got some more. more yeah um, let's go then obviously my current one is overwatch which i of course keep playing that's like uh, that's like my rocket league is your overwatch sort of pretty much that, yes yeah that that we both we have do. our multiplayer game of choice that we just go to when we want to do something that isn't you know something we have to commit to there's a great mm. thing about multiplayer games and why i think they are so popular is because you don't have to commit um and th- there's no worry about like where am i going to save or am i going to switch it off it's like finish the game done switch it off i've made some progress like i've leveled up and and that's the kind of thing that i really enjoy uh about that style and obviously i've talked to death how how much i love overwatch that's one um and then just for single player games Mega Man 2 uh, and metroid fusion are the two games that i will always go back to if i just want to play something familiar uh Mega Man 2 i think i've beaten like nine times at this point it's stupid um and metroid fusion probably the same amount it's just you know i go back to those games because they're comforting and i know them inside out and it's more of just the enjoyment of the mechanics and going through them and 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 finishing them so yeah i would say that those are probably my my number ones nice um yeah, so thanks for your email, Damon. Um, yeah, I don't have a huge number of guilty pleasures currently, but I'm, I'm sure I, I should get back into a game that I love a bit like you in Fusion, I guess. Yeah. Um, our next question is from James, who's from Vancouver, Canada. And this question is from Discord. After hearing all of the mixed opinions on Red Dead Redemption 2, I'm interested to hear your guys' stance on realism in games. Do you think many of the AAA games these days are trying to be too realistic and losing uh, too much of their fun aspects? Where is the line where too much realism becomes tedious? Bally, I know you're relatively inexperienced when it comes to gaming experiences like this, but I'd love to hear opinions as well as MBZ, who has definitely played more games that might be more applicable to this question. Keep it up. Fantastic. Thank you, James, for that. Um, I think the line between fun and tedious is right where Red Dead is right now. And I think that's why it's being discussed so much because a lot of people are finding it incredibly tedious where a lot of people are getting enjoyment out of the fact that it is so grounded. And 
I guess it depends on what you really want out of the experience. Um, I think the, the people who are enjoying Red Dead the most are the people who are taking it at its face value and are going with it uh, on what it wants to do. Um, and they feel like they are embodying that character and playing it as if they were that character and that's never been the the way i play games you know i I never invest into you know being in that world and that in that type of way it's like literal role playing kind of right literal role playing because i know a lot of people do that with certain games like they will they will try to make the choices as if they were that character and it it depends on the game like some some games where it comes to choice it i, I will usually go with what i think will make, make the most interesting outcome as opposed to what will be the thing the character would do um so i, I guess that's just where i come from in it um i remember yeah. when we were younger and gran turismo was always sold as it's the most realistic driving game yet. So this is this is it's like real yeah. life driving, and I was I haven't yes. played a handful of like driving games. I was like, oh my god, it, real drive like this could be incredible. And like going to our friend Charlie's house, who I think had it on PS2, I want to say. And he was like, I mean, I owned Gran Turismo 2 on PS1. Right, right. Yes. I think yeah, I played both. I, I remember I had the, one the, on... the driving wheel and the yeah. pedals and everything <laughs> right. that went with it. And then finally sitting down to play Gran Turismo and being like, this this controls horribly. I, yeah. I can't do anything. This, is, this right. is the least fun I've had playing a video game in a long time. And everyone's losing their minds about this. And Red Dead feels similar in aspects of that where... Right, because it's, it's like so he literal. controls like a real human. But do you want your video game to control like a real human? Like humans don't move around as fast as video game protagonists do. They don't... Uh, you know run out of breath uh you know or humans do run out of breath versus video game protagonists who sometimes don't like that that's one of those things i think people got bugged about in breath of the wild which is eh, it's it's not too bothersome for me but the stamina system and the way that that was implemented into things like swimming and sure sure And um, and, and that's yeah that's just like kind of a fake attempt at being semi-real kind of thing it's just like a little a little counterbalance to the to playing a video game i guess and then uh, but with red dead what's so weird about it is going from the most recent i guess big triple a game um before this year which i guess is spider-man and that just has so much freedom and you are a superhero and you're just just frictionless it's so free in both the web slinging and the fighting and it's just feels great and going from that to this ultra realistic i'm cleaning my gun i'm loading up my bullets i'm getting shot at like anything I'm, oh i'm dead yeah because i couldn't fire my gun quick enough yeah exactly it, versus yeah. web slinging just a guy in a split second who's about to fire a rocket launcher at you like it 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 makes you reestablish why games are fun and why we enjoy them and when when you're breaking that relationship between making something too real versus actually having fun and fluid and free in a game um a game like red dead just takes you completely out of it and shocks you uh really shocks you and what's interesting about red dead i find is that it's it's gonna it's is selling and will sell it's gonna be one of the best selling games on ps4 uh absolutely and the idea that there are lots and lots of casual gamers and gamers who might only pick up maybe fifa or cod once a year uh picking this game up 
and they might not have had as many experiences with maybe you know your traditional third person action games like a spider-man right although obviously, obviously that's sold very well as well but yeah i don't like know assassin's like, creed like which assassin's this is getting creed. compared to quite a lot because odyssey sure. just came out like uncharted like these games i mean obviously assassin's creed and uncharted sold really well but they might not sell as well as red dead like it's reaching a crowd that these other games won't but right, at exactly. the same time, it is so much more difficult to play and and feel and to feel free in that same sense. And it's, it's so really much more complex as well. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's not an it's not an easy like traditional AAA game to just pick up and and go into. It's it's crazy that the Rockstar made the decision to make this game as you know convoluted and difficult to play as it is and and yet like you know gta controls similar to this and it, it's the best-selling fucking video game ever almost like it's almost past minecraft it's it's crazy so it, yeah it, i i think there are lots of different types of elements in games i've played that shoot for maybe a sense of realism uh that i am actually okay with but i think to me it, it's more about overall how much are you invested in that world and how much do you care about it and how much do you want to you know sink into it and with the witcher 3 a lot of people complained about the idea that you had to sharpen your weapons or like repair your weapons before they broke if you use them too much um and they didn't like that and obviously you know breath of the wild has a similar thing where weapons break i i've been one of those weird people where weapon degradation has never bothered me and i don't know why maybe it's because i played so much fire emblem when i was younger and it's just <laughs> the expectation that weapons are you've always kept a, ba- a knife in your back pocket ready to exactly. go when your main sword breaks and if you're not right. used to that then it's very jarring i guess exactly and and this is the thing we were talking about before as well as like i'm the person who hoards potions and doesn't use them like right. i make sure all my fire emblem characters have like bonus weapons on them just in case of something happening and it always happens i'm always prepared for it so in scenarios like witcher and breath of the wild like i have the backup options i'm never going to be worried about having anything break on me because you know i i know what i'm doing and, and it was also there was an aspect of the witcher 3 where i did in that game more so than others sink into the idea of being a witcher and of preparing before fights and looking up the entries of the monster and seeing what it is they're weak to which signs are they weak to should i drink a potion beforehand to boost a certain thing um should i make sure that my weapons are sharpened that my my gear is in high percentage like um range because you could your gear would degrade as well as your weapons so you'd have to go there and like have someone um just push it back up to normal and and i i enjoyed the I guess role play of that to some degree but it was also just because I loved the world that they had mm. created and I I just wanted to spend so much time in it so I was willing to forgive a lot of those systems that I think a lot of people didn't um and it's weird because I think a lot of people will talk about how the Witcher 3 controls like garbage and it you know has similar problems to Red Dead in terms of you know having to do some micromanaging and things like that but the story in the world is so much more engaging for me in The Witcher 3 than it is in, you know, a you know more real-world setting like Red Dead is, that it overcomes that barrier uh, to some degree. So so maybe I'm just talking bullshit and it's all about how, how much I actually want to exist in, in the place that they've created. Um, but yeah, I think it, it definitely is one of those things that people... Well, I think over time people have become less forgiving because people have so much less time and it's all about games are much longer. And so if games waste your time, I think people feel a lot more frustrated with elements Mm. like that. 
And they'll be interesting in these... We're in the middle of November now. Game of the Year is not far away. It'll be interesting to hear the number of discussions that essentially have this debate about a game like Red Dead, where I'm sure there'll be plenty of people siding with Red Dead for Game of the Year who don't mind the, those things that it's going for and think that, you know, the realism trumps the... The realism and how impressive and immersive that game can be trumps all the other aspects of pure fun that maybe a game like Spider-Man and God of War might be better at, arguably. So I think this is going to be a debate that's going to rage online in the next <laughs> couple of months. And yeah. I think that'll be really interesting to see because it's, while that debate's all, always been there, I do think a game like Red Dead 2 is really bringing it to the fore more so than perhaps Mm -hmm. it has in the past Um, yeah and i think we can reach a middle ground in terms of these things i think we already have and you know we've talked about it before but i think breath of the wild is that perfect middle ground of definitely it gives you situations where you have to think realistically like the the idea that you chop down a tree and use it as a bridge to go over somewhere in real life that's not super practical like it could you can you can do that it's physically possible to do so and you can walk across it and it may work but it's not a guarantee and it's not something that is 100% going to happen whereas in Breath of the Wild you can do that and it doesn't work 100% of the time but it is one of those things that like logically it makes sense and you can do it and it does work but it's also video gamey enough to where it's still fun and engaging to do and it's not laborious like you don't have to spend two hours chopping at it like you know it it is set up to make it a a lot more of a fluid experience and and so that you don't have to worry about you know the real life elements like if you're actually a a person who cuts down trees that's not going to be a two-minute job with a couple swings of your sword you know um so so yeah and I, I think that that is that's a place that we should should try to strive towards where solutions to things are things that we would um, imagine doing in real life and would make sense logically but have enough of a video game aspect and a, a fluidity to them that they just yeah. work just like a, a counterbalance of realism which i think breath of the wild nails with something yeah. like that tree chopping something like the, the climbing mountains like there's a number of areas weapon, weapon degradation where it's just saying you know what this we're trying to recreate a bit of a realism to this world you can't just be a superhero kind of thing and that that feels good for that game yeah definitely but yeah thanks for your question james i'm sure that debate will rage on and that is all we've got time for this segment um so as i said at the start of the segment please send more emails to this nintendo life at gmail.com that's this nintendo life at gmail.com or post a question in our discord server link in the description also link to that discord server on our twitter account at tnl podcast uh, but join us after the break where we will give you our hot takes on that smash ultimate direct that just happened be right back
Alright everyone, welcome back to the third and final part of the show today, uh, and we are going to be talking a bit more about everyone's favourite upcoming game, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, uh, because last time we talked about the leaks, and then very soon after there was an announcement that hey, there's going to be a direct happening, and so everyone was scrambling, they were like, shit, are the leaks going to be proven real, and Nintendo getting out now because of the leaks, is this why this direct is happening? Um... And it turns out, no, all those leaks were bullshit, and it was completely made up, and uh, and yeah, Nintendo did something completely different, uh, which a lot of insiders were actually talking about the fact that there were only two more characters, and a lot of people said, yeah, it's going to be the two that were shown, so uh, that was uh, that was pretty much what happened, and... Um, and yeah, that's that's what we got. So we're going to talk about all the different things that happened in this Smash Brothers Direct. But I think, first of all, we're going to give our like surface impressions about how we feel about it. I feel like we are on the more negative side than a lot of people in terms of how this Direct mm. um, was, I don't know, overall um, just put out there and its pacing and things like that and the content of it. So what what's your gut feeling, Bali? So I had, as it was, at, it was at two o'clock in the day UK time, and yeah. I decided at work that I was going to have a late lunch. So over lunch, I'd be able to watch it. Went to KFC, I sat down with my my mighty bucket and ready to ready to go. And forty minutes in, well, by the end of the the direct, I was a bit kind of that just didn't sit right with me um okay especially yeah. at the time but since then looking back there's a lot of good stuff in there that we can definitely go over and while there are sure. some major disappointments that we'll get to i think overall it's fine it's good i'm excited for this game but that direct could have been so much more do you think your impressions were made more negative by the fact that the leak was untrue really hard to answer that actually um to try and sort of pretend that i didn't right known about it because I, it naturally I, raises expectations yeah. right, for the number of characters that we have remaining right. even though nintendo had said and made it pretty clear sakurai was like look there's not going to be that many more characters yeah. so i would definitely say that the leaks maybe played into that disappointment a bit for, for sure yeah yeah it's definitely a factor i wouldn't say it was a large factor because there are a lot of things about the core experience of this game that were disappointing enough for me to just be annoyed about it even if those uh, rumored characters were true like even if we got all those characters and the base game had still been what they showed i would still be pretty disappointed just because of wow really? what the single player modes are and and the way that they kind of put them out there so so let's kick things off then with some of the new characters. So we had the two right at the beginning, and this was in the moment where everyone wasn't sure whether the leak was real or not, mm, because yeah. Ken was, was the first revealed character, who is obviously an Echo Fighter of Ryu from Street Fighter, um, and he has some pretty, not major differences, but I would say he's more of a different Echo than a lot of the ones we've seen so far. Um, he's, his fighting style is a little bit different. He is uh, faster than Ryu, and obviously his... Um, ultimate or what the hell smash balls what the fuck do you call those final uh, smash final smash there you go is uh, are both different as well so there I, I think that he looks pretty cool uh again i feel like i always gravitate towards echo character for some reason like i prefer lucina to marth i like playing dr mario as opposed to normal mario like i even though dr mario for whatever fucking reason isn't an echo character the thing that really annoys me with smash brothers generally is like 
hey, you're going to make Link and Young Link and not make them Echo characters, but I don't know, fucking Pit and Dark Pit are. It just, it's very... It's. I don't really understand how different you have to be to be classified as a new character versus an Echo, and it seems like it's just kind of a bullshit thing that Sakurai has just decided on, and it doesn't actually have any consistency whatsoever. But that said, uh, Ken looking pretty cool, and I would probably play him over Ryu, um, just because he's new, I guess, and, and different. Yeah, he looks fine. Like I think he was. If if anyone had to bet their house on the next character reveal, I think most people would probably go for ken yeah uh it was it was that or shadow i would say like and and even like maybe miss pac-man because there were some obvious third-party characters who could clearly just slot in an echo there and be like yep that's the thing that's what we're doing so so there you go uh that's him and you know neither of us a big street fighter fan so it's not something i was going pretty crazy about but you know uh this is interesting because you never actually owned the dlc for smash 4 bali so you I never actually not. really played as no Ryu, so no i didn't i didn't so. both of them will be new to you basically um, yeah that'll be good yeah i'm excited to give all the dlc characters a go including guys like cloud who you always kick yes. ass with so i need to oh, get on top cloud. of that that guy go love cloud he's so good uh so then they revealed during the same trailer and it was it was a good matchup i would say this is you know based in a, a boxing ring we had little mac fighting ken and then all of a sudden in comes the next fighter who is the first kind of wrestling style character that we've had in the smash brothers game it is the pokemon incineroar from sun and moon who is you know the pokemon representative and i think that was one of the things that people were saying about the leak is hey there's no pokemon in this leak and there's always a new pokemon in a smash brothers game and that's what nintendo want to do obviously pokemon's one of the biggest franchises in the world like it's stupidly enormous so why wouldn't you put one in there and they decided on incineroar which i think a lot of people i don't know how they feel about him as a pokemon how significant he is in representing sun and moon but i would say from watching what they had shown of his character and how he plays he's pretty damn interesting and i think he's pretty unique and works well as a smash brothers character so i think once again sakurai has done a good job of like cherry picking a pokemon that works well in this style of game like he did with greninja last time yeah and, and like even though i know that um what's it called let's go eevee and pikachu it's not a new generation of pokemon right but it's still maybe a tad surprising that they'd go back to the last gen rather than focus on some sort of pokemon that will feature heavily in the upcoming games coming out a very similar time to smash brothers yeah well i'm what i'd say is like the design doc for this game as people always talk about is made way before and i think it's why things like Springman from arms didn't get in and you know because it was a bit too late by the time that they had already decided on what all the characters were going to be for this game uh so so incineral makes a good degree of sense and um yeah i like a lot of his moves like uh, the one where he just like springs up at the edge of a wrestling ring and like bounces it back off and you can it's depending like the on timing the timing at which you kind of do a wrestling move on them yeah exactly so so that was really neat and you know he like you know grabs people and throws them over his back and like bends backwards and then he has a very dangerous move that i can see myself KOing myself all the fucking time with oh which yeah is where he like dives off the yeah, side yeah I'm definitely going to die a bunch of times doing that, <laughs> trying to kill you. Um, so so that'll be fun. But uh, but he looks pretty great. Uh, and not really a character that I have any investment in whatsoever, with Sun and Moon being the first Pokemon generation that I've ever not played the single player of and just have sat out and 
you know, after I got very burned out on Pokemon, I'm just not really that interested in playing that game. And Bala, you still have it to play. Um, did you? Who did you choose as your starter? Did you choose Litten? No, I picked the the grass Rowlet. Rowlet, the, yes. The, who becomes he's the cute little grass owl. But yeah, I'm only like four hours in, so when I go back to that, I'll probably restart the game. And, yeah, exactly. And choose Litten this time. Might even pick Litten. Get that affinity <laughs> yeah. for uh, for Incineroar, right, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. which would be cool but yeah it was in- interesting because Decidueye which is the final evolution of Rowlet is in Pokémon tournament um, oh, and I think right, yeah. that character in particular was thought of as a lot of people's favourite starter from that generation um, but I guess you know Incineroar is the one that we're, we're going with so Will they ever do anything with Primarina, who is the weird seal one? No, because no one likes Poplio, even though Poplio is fine and people should stop hating on Poplio. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the way it is. Uh, so those are our two kind of final characters. And after that, Sakurai's like, yeah, that, that's it. Those are all the characters in the game. And that that was kind that, of deflating yeah. to some degree yeah. because yeah. I don't think that they, for us in particular, they weren't very exciting choices because you know one's just an echo of a character from a series that i really have zero investment in and the other one is like yet another pokemon so hey hello look at our marketing please buy pokemon kind of thing um so yeah they didn't they didn't feel like hey this is the final smash brothers direct we have some really exciting final characters they feel like box ticking characters yeah it's like how you gotta bring the you know deep dive characters into your last direct and that these two just don't feel like that in the slightest no um but hey that brings the roster to what it was was 74 uh and then you know we get another character later that brings it to 75 and obviously there's a dlc so it looks like this game is going to round out at 80 characters even Oof. which quite frankly is absurd and ridiculous <laughs> and honestly what we have already is already more than enough you know i think mm. the fact that we got ridley the inklings uh king k rule and obviously the belmonts we've those gotten are, greedy we've gotten so greedy yeah, those are really amazing characters and yeah. all of them are ones that i'm super excited about and yeah, really yeah. want to play so honestly we shouldn't be that mad about the fact that you know oh we only got ken and incineroar as our finals i just think nintendo need to do or sakura needs to do a better job of managing which announcements come when potentially because as we were talking about before had they finished with holy shit simon belmont and holy shit king k rule that would have been a and ridley maybe but that was a good one for e3 i guess yeah no you have to have the big thing for e3 so ridley made a lot of sense there but i i was very um I don't know. I think that they could have planned it a little better in terms of the announcements. Um, I didn't mention Isabel, but she's not really a character that I'm that, I'm yeah, that, that interested was, uh, in playing. Yeah, um, Ooh, that was, but she'll yeah, be. I'm yeah. sure she'll be fine. She'll be fine. So I don't know. What's the next thing you want to talk about? Should we go into the spirit ship? Because yeah, might as well. It was a big focus, I guess, of this new yeah. new realm of Smash Brothers we're going into. That's just spirits. The, yeah the the, the the blurry writing was translated right. correctly yes um so what to... what what is spirits Bally? what the fuck does this mean please explain the characters die and they have uh-huh. spirits and but it's all the characters they all have spirits it's not just the playable characters it's, it's spirits from across the nintendo universe and some then... of the most obscure fucking references possible <laughs> yeah. game explained did a really good video on the top 10 like most obscure characters in in the spirits mode and my god they have some deep cuts in there uh which i appreciate a lot but also like 
who the hell is going to know most of these these characters? And then you um, attach these characters to your fighters, and they yeah. level up, and they do stuff. And... They give you like bonuses, or they change your state, things like that. Like you can turn metal, or you can go fast. It's almost like the modifiers to some degree. Yeah. In, like <laughs> when you do custom Smash games that like I used to do with Ali T, where it was like, let's do a metal fast bunny ears curry match, and we, it's just fucking manic nonsense uh which we've not done as much because we got more into oh let's be super serious and fight each other with nothing turned on but i like that type of experience i think that um the way that is being handled is disappointing on a many number of levels i think overall this feels like this mishmash of all the worst things about smash brothers like all the worst ideas that sakurai has had over the years from smash run collecting up power-ups to um the sticker system in brawl to i don't know like a lot of these type of specific things that are the single player focus to even subspace emissary to some degree right and all it is is you attach these things and you fight these different matches but some of the match all the matches are based on these characters but they're not actually the characters you're fighting because they can't put all those characters in the game so you're like if you want to fight guts man then you're going to fight a really giant mega man with the correct outfit that is the same color as guts man and all he does is use throw on you which as an event match fan sounds pretty cool right because i like event matches and i think that that's some of the most fun thing uh, that you know you you can find in a smash brothers game and we had a great time when we played it when i was over in brussels and we were doing the like the the event match where fox and falco have to keep all these game and watches from falling and hitting the the ground right yeah. and i wonder if they will do more stuff like that in the spirits mode um because it looks like event match doesn't really exist anymore and if, if that is that's what the saving grace could be because at the moment that's all it seems like to me is is the event matches but with stickers and a bunch of bollocks um you know stats added right and that's why it was a bit weird that this was such a big focus of this direct is that as you said it is event matches with stickers and maybe it is a bit deeper than that fine fair enough but yeah but like what does that deepness achieve right what do those stats even fucking mean we we don't want smash brothers to be be like rpg complicated add-on power-ups and level them up and trade them and move them and collect them and because like the fun of smash brothers is using those characters as how they are and and how they have been balanced and how they have been created for the the game at its natural state and as soon as you start to throw on oh now you're walking like five percent faster and now you are doing thirty percent more damage and things like that just it doesn't really work for me like the the custom moves in smash 4 it was just like i i don't want the idea i don't know i I like the idea of the custom moves in smash 4 just because they showed some variety but getting them was a pain in the ass yeah getting them acquiring them yeah and Um, then the second not that i'm i partake in many smash brothers tournaments but the idea that they you can't then use those um custom moves in tournaments and stuff like that it just felt a bit didn't feel like smash brothers i like my smash brothers captain vanilla over here but i like it vanilla i like it you know pure and, uh, and yeah spirits just feels like the opposite of vanilla it's just so yeah. overwhelming it's just, like you you remember playing a bit of smash run on 3ds right and all you would do is run through this level and beat up enemies and collect just a bunch of 
things that opt a percentage and then at the end it would be like okay now have a smash match with yeah, those percentages weird and it didn't feel very different or it, like it didn't make a lot of sense and it was not very enjoyable and i wonder if like building up a character and having them all these spirits attached is gonna be that same thing because it feels like it maybe messes with the idea of the event match in the first place because the event match is supposed to be a thing that is very set in stone here are the conditions here are what you have to do particular whereas if you throw customization into that then it kind of defeats the point of what the match was supposed to be like because it's supposed to have certain restrictions on it it's not Um, standalone in the same way that an event match would be it's all these other hoops to jump jump through exactly and so you could make something that's a really interesting event match super boring if you have certain spirits that make it you know way too easy for you for example or it could be balanced so difficultly because you don't have the right spirits for it like i don't know i'm there's a lot of pitfalls here and it seems like there's an opportunity for it to turn out really poorly and i i can't see a lot of the benefits so that's why i feel pretty down on it overall um and the idea that it is basically core to the world of light mode which is the thing they show at the end with like the big cg cutscene, and you have this board that you go across i'm pretty like it, they didn't really make it very clear but i'm pretty sure they're the same thing right the the in spirits mode that is what the thing is is the adventure mode or are they separate like i'm not really sure because when they were going through that trailer it looked like the same screens were popping up for fighting those types of enemies um yeah it looks, it looks similar, like that board but... that you're going on is like doing those specific spirit games it really wasn't clear and it's partly because there was such a so much information just thrown at us that was linked to spirits and then the world of light mode that i was just my brain was an overload at that point as to what on earth was going on and what it all meant and i was just yeah. like oh this doesn't feel like smash brothers this no. just feels like this completely different mode and yeah we can maybe get onto the world of light but it, that map did look interesting and well put together and thematic and it is interesting to see if there will be sort of some sort of story that comes out of that whole you know kind of um what am i trying to say avengers right <laughs> uh, yes thanos moment and whether there will be cutscenes and stuff like that and it's if that's what it is could be then it could be interesting but that's right. a big i mean if. the only reason to play subspace emissary was for the cutscene. so yeah. if that's a reward for going through what is looking like pretty subpar single player stuff then fine but i i don't think like sakurai literally says in the video this is nothing like subspace emissary so he's already making that expectation um but i don't know what he means by that like does he mean in terms of the gameplay or does he mean in terms of the crazy like cutscene where you're mashing all the nintendo stuff together i i have no idea and i'll be very interested to see if he has gone back on that idea because the whole reason there wasn't a crazy single player mode in smash for wii u and 3ds was because sakurai said oh i don't want people uploading it to youtube and then just watching it on youtube which is the uh, the most nintendo stance possible you know (laughs) that that attitude towards the internet is like for fuck's sake you like you you're not going to be able to stop it sakurai like it's just deal with it and um I don't know. I don't know if he's got over that yet or not, but we got a cool-ass cutscene with a great song, uh, which was awesome, and I think, you know, we're both in agreement that this is a really great main theme, and now it's only being enhanced by the fact that we have, like, 
yeah. very cheesy lyrics to go along with it. At the time, it was weird, but I was kind of feeling low from the rest yeah. of the directing. It was like this weird Nintendo moment that was like, oh, that's nice. That's kind of cool. Right? Like, Kirby is the only survivor. Like, obviously, Sakurai is going to make Kirby the only fucking survivor <laughs> of this apocalypse, his dear child. Um, and then, like, it just sets up this moment of, like, Kirby looking across this vast expanse of, like, rainbows and, like, landscapes and mountains and rivers. And then it just, like, kicks in with this vocal, and you're like, oh, shit. Um, so, so that was good. I think that was definitely yeah. a good closer. Um, nice. And it makes me more excited for the potential of what the Hell World of Light actually is. But we're going to have to wait and see to see what it actually is. Um, we, sh- we shall see. Yeah. And I think I do think that it's probably going to end up being that you unlock characters through that because it makes sense with them having died. So you're obviously right. going to find matches where it's like, oh, here is the Mario that is possessed with the red eyes that you see in the trailer. And by defeating him, you unlock I mean, him. I'm sure, I'm sure it might be like multiple ways to unlock characters is, again, because I think yeah, in probably. every game so far, you've been able to unlock them purely through brawl or melees yes. or whatever or smashes and sakurai did game. say that they had streamlined the conditions for unlocking fighters so right and they got the cool sort of starts with the original eight from n64 yes. and gradually builds in um but their numbers i guess now that they they're all numbered right characters. exactly um so so yeah and that that was always one of the best parts when we were kids playing melee was knowing how to unlock characters and it actually took us like not months but at least a couple of months to get everyone took like, us a I long remember, time with melee yeah i remember leaving my gamecube on overnight to get mewtwo <laughs> you know that's that's what we had to do it was it, like there were so many silly things and obviously there's the famous story of you unlocking luigi and running around the house like a madman screaming about it um and we had the magazine that basically had all the conditions for like unlocking characters and we're like oh shit this is really hard how are we gonna unlock this character and it was very very cool and and just unique but it also was quite difficult to get those characters so i think they found a better balance now in terms of you know getting the characters and not making it like i'm not gonna have to leave my switch on overnight or am i you know i don't know um <laughs> please it would be like melted in the morning like exactly. the way that they warp i hope not yeah anyway jesus um so so i think the the last thing to say about spirits is it's basically it, the thing that kicked me in the nuts first of all was sakurai being like we've made the decision to not put trophies into this game and i was like what well, the actual fuck the reason that he gave as well was like it was too much effort or something it's like which i understand because like you look at those trophies and there is a lot of care put into them like especially like the big final smash ones that i love and i just that was the reason i played through all-star mode was to get the awesome looking final smash trophies they're just such a spectacle and i also just love the categorization of like being split into series the fact you can organize them and go through them and read about them there's all these little tidbits of information you can like spin them around and like zoom in and look at like i remember in melee especially that there was like uh, a lot of cities that you could zoom into and go really close because there's a lot of detail um trophies were the reward of smash brothers they were my progression through the game and it was the thing that motivated me to play a lot of the modes now what we have is this fucking mix between stickers and i don't know i guess trophies but really all it is is jpegs of things from the game and it's not even original artwork it's just pulled straight from the games themselves and like pre-existing assets so there's nothing special or exciting about getting a spirit because 
all it really is is a JPEG and a stat boost. And yeah. that does nothing yeah. for me. It does I mean, literally nothing. I will welcome them a bit, a little bit more if there's a really nice way of viewing them like they were trophies. But still, it's but not the you, same you can't as trophies. do it in that same way. It's it's not the no. same. Like the cabinet that they had in Smash Four oh, was God, amazing. So good, so good. So that's a real bummer. Um, and I like I was talking to you about this as well. But like, what is my motivation to play through classic mode? Why do I even want to do that anymore? because the little video that plays at the end certainly isn't and going for a high score certainly isn't like what is my reward for playing classic mode is there a reward because that you know i did that on 3ds i played through classic mode with every character and i i'm in still in the process of doing it on wii u like i love coming back to that stuff because there is that thing that you get at the end that is like i have done this and i want to complete my collection so you keep going through it and all star is the same way and even in this game all-star seems to have been reduced down to just a part of multi-man melee where it's like alongside a hundred man melee is all-star um mode where you just basically are on the same screen and you kill enemies as they spawn on the screen it Mm. is a major disappointment because that original idea of all-star wasn't groundbreaking or anything but you know it at least took you to different locations and you at least had the opportunity to get something at the end of it which you don't anymore at least it seems that way so yeah i don't know it it's it not... just gives it just <sighs> it really kicks me in the nuts cuz i w- i've been so excited for smash ultimate and to hear this the fact that they don't have trophies really kills a lot of my desire to even play through a lot of my favorite mm modes in that game over and over again and and even the name like ultimate the whole idea is that it'll have everything and that's the theme that like sakurai's gone with for the characters like there will be there will be every single character of the previous games plus all these other characters it's always this addition adding more and more and more to the game and then for the ultimate version of smash to not even have trophies which have been such a big part of smash brothers right up until now feels so um empty and like yeah the opposite of what you would want the ultimate smash brothers game to include like what the fuck do you spend your coins on do you even get coins you know there are all these spend questions them on spirits. Like, no but i mean they did show the shop right and the shop was like hey you can buy music and spirits and i'm like this used to be where you could buy trophies this used to be what the entire yeah. point of this shop was was to buy trophies and now I guess it's better for music because there were a lot of pain in the ass tracks that you had to like just randomly drop and pick up a CD in order to get it, right, which is a right. stupid way of unlocking music in the game, to be quite <laughs> frank. Um, so it makes a difference that you're able to do that. And obviously Sakurai was boasting about the obscene amount of uh, music tracks in this game. So I'm sure majority of my time will be spending stuff on, on getting those, but i don't care about the spirits like it's it's cool that they're referencing like the dude from fucking disaster day of crisis but like what does that you could have a trophy of that dude you don't need a spirit yeah it's what that's all there is it's just like here's an image of him and i don't know he gives you 20 percent extra attack power like what the fuck that doesn't that's nothing it's so nothing um yeah and that's that's why it's a big bummer Anyway, there there are people who I'm I'm sure are going to be more excited for this mode than we are, and I hope that there is something that comes out of it that is interesting. But right now, I don't have much reason to be excited for it. So, and I, it's one of those things like Smash Brothers single player hasn't really hit the nail on the head since Melee. 
because that game had an amazing classic mode, an amazing like adventure mode, uh, a really great um, collection of Smash the Targets and Home Run, uh, all of those different things that you could do. And they've pared it down to where those things don't even... Like, event matches was amazing. Like You look at Melee single-player content, and it is so, so good on every aspect. Uh, and then Brawl led Subspace, and Wii U, they had the stupid fucking board game mode that is literally the worst thing to ever exist in this Smash Bros. game. That was damn awful. I, mean, I think we played it once, and I was... Yeah. The second we were in it, I was like, can we, can we stop After about now? five can minutes, we, we were, we, like, ready we, to stop. Uh, it was very, very bad. So... So yeah, it's it just doesn't feel like since then there has been a reason for us to expect the single player to be very good, um, and it just hasn't. At least in terms of like the major modes that they focus on. Um, so, <sighs> so yeah, no home run in this. No smash the targets. Oh, I love home run. I love like co-op home run where we're both Ganondorf just trying yes. to get those extra hits in and like the right. leg, the leg kick and the punch and the. And now pick up the bat. No, it's not pick up the bat. You use um, the, the warlock punch and just, yes. oh, that timing and, oh, the reverse warlock punch. <laughs> it's a good good time. I miss yeah. that. Yeah, well, I mean, we still have the Wii U and 3DS version, but, you know, it's not we going do. anywhere. It's still like we this, do. So, so there you go. Uh, okay, well, then uh, I guess we can talk about maybe the DLC characters and the uh, surprise character that they had that, that showed up. So at the end of all this spirit shit and we're all bored to tears and it's taken forever and, you know, like we need something to bring us out of it. And uh, and they talk about the new character to Smash Brothers. That's an early purchase bonus if you get the game. Um, it's everyone's favorite, most requested character. It's the Piranha Plant. Yes, just a Piranha Plant from the Super Mario Brothers series. A random fucking enemy from a Mario game. Who sure is iconic, but is just a random enemy. Uh, and this is the out of left field pick. Yeah, like which... look, looking back, I'm now finding it like, oh, this is this is funny and quirky. He look, and... he actually does look like a fun character this, to play. I will yeah, be honest, and this is fun. But at the time, after going through all of yeah. that spirit stuff, trophies being ripped away from me, I know the leak's not true. I was like. Nintendo, I am in no mood to laugh about this damn no. piranha plant right now. Yeah. Just get it, get it, get it out of my face. Like, yeah, exactly. I it couldn't handle like, it. I was like, oh, God. It, it was like the opposite on the uh, of the cherry on top. It was like, it was, <laughs> it was just the, not what you wanted. The, at the everything end falls out the bottom kind exactly. of oh, feeling. Um, Ugh. Yeah. So Piranha Plant's going to be around probably February of next year, uh, and so won't launch with the game, but will and, come. If and you the cheek, buy it the and... cheek that like you can get it. I think. Well, so will you, will you only get it if you pre-purchase, or will you get it earlier if you pre-purchase? I think it. It's basically like if the you game. get it physical, then you have to register for the gold points before end of January. Um, if you get it digital, I think you do have to just preload, basically. Oh, right, yeah. It was just the, they had a cheek that this was some sort of sale link to the sales thing. I was like, oh, yeah, no. Although go away. Sakurai very, very um, open when it comes to DLC and what they are doing with it because it feels like Nintendo generally are a lot less scummy about that type sure, of thing. Yeah. Because Sakurai is like, guys, this DLC. I'm not going to tell you what's in it because you want to keep the surprise, but. Like, only buy it if you really believe that you want it. Like, only get it if you want it, which is not good marketing or sales, but it is appreciated in a world where DLC and microtransactions are 
the scum and villainy of a lot of people's minds in in the gaming space so it seemed like a decent price i can't remember what, was it like 24 dollars and you get all five characters or something and you get yeah, it's a like 25 and a, and music for every single one it's not awful it's... right so it's basically packages of 5.99 so you get like character stage music and so if you got all of them together it would basically save you five dollars because you know it would be like a bundle essentially sure um so and you know it's going to be obviously priced differently here but it's not super expensive it's i think it's much better priced overall than what they did for smash wii u which was such weird pricing and they charged for these weird packs with the me costumes in them and like i bought one me costume which was dunban and i think i spent like one pound 60 on it and i'm like what (laughs) such a weird like amount of money you you needed that that outfit though i did yeah it was fun i still have it but like (laughs) like there's a lot of weird shit and i think all the me costumes are probably built into this the game this time not charging for that what if if dunban is one of the dlc characters it's that for fuck oh bali no don't do this to me shit Oh, God, I didn't even think about it. All would be that. remedied. Fuck. Players fucking badass one-armed Dunban, Jesus. And they, uh, have, they might have, like, that 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 um, naked Dunban build as one of the yeah, outfits or something. Exactly. Yeah? Like no, naked, naked Shulk, Shulk yeah. naked Dunban. They go together. They have a tag. They should have an event match with Dunban and Shulk. That would be really good. And you have to fight just a giant fucking massive-sized Ricky who's just, just clomping all over the place. Um yeah, that would be hilarious, but no, Nintendo's not going to make that one of their five DLC characters. So this is the thing, is like, since this Direct happened, it has been clarified by Sakurai that Nintendo are basically the people who have chosen what the last five DLC characters are. So everyone's dreams and hopes of it being some crazy shit, I think, should probably go out the window, considering... <laughs> That it's the decision is being made by them, and it's, Maybe it's that, no ballot. They're not going to be doing any bayonetta nonsense with like people choosing their favorite characters. And it seems like Sakurai has kind of gone to the fan requests as much as he could with the Belmonts and King K. Rule and, and Ridley, obviously being the the major one. So. Uh, my cynical brain tells me that Nintendo are just going to want to promote all their fucking video games. They're like, here's another Fire Emblem character from Three Houses because it's coming out. Also, let's time this next one to come out for the next Pokemon game at the end of the year. Yeah. And it's we know that there's Pokemon. Animal Crossing and Luigi's Mansion 3. Maybe right, yeah, exactly. One of the characters could be Professor Egad, which actually would be awesome. I think that yeah. would be pretty I mean, there's going to be roughly five, you know, Nintendo first party big games next year. It would not surprise me in the, in the least if every single one is tied to like uh, a character, but we'll see. Yeah, potentially. And these characters are basically promised to come out around the time of uh, 2020 before then. So we have five characters over the next year or so, which is cool. That's, that's great that, you know, we have the potential for Nintendo Directs to end with Smash Brothers reveals still. I love that hype cycle. I love the the great cg trailers that they make yeah um they're always such fun I to never watch, want I that think. to end just those no. trailers oh so good yeah and i do wonder like obviously sakurai made a joke about him never getting a break which i don't know it, it feels weird because in the current conditions of like talking about 100 hour work weeks with red dead redemption 2 um like people are laughing at it but also it's like jesus christ this man has has worked his ass off um 
but is this the end of Smash Brothers DLC? Is yeah. it just going to be this, or is there going to be more that comes after it? And especially on the heels of Furukawa saying recently that Nintendo are definitely leaning more into DLC plans and supporting their games after they've come out, um, and having major DLC for all of the the stuff they're doing. I don't know. It seems like they would have done it already with a lot of their games. Like, where is where's the Mario Odyssey DLC still? Like, I, I'm so shocked that we haven't had any of it. Uh, and whether it's too late on that or whether they're going to be Maybe there's a game. reason, yeah, with like a new game, of course, or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Where does, is this actually the ultimate? Is this the end of Smash? Like, will there be DLC after the 80th Fighter? I... I could, could they just keep going with re-releases where it's like re-release of smash ultimate with these five new characters and then like a new single player mode or is is that just ridiculous? i mean i think once all the dlc is out they could do a thing which is like the ultimate version of smash Brothers <laughs> ultimate <laughs> oh man are they gonna look back cool. and say i wish we hadn't called it smash ultimate no ultimate. i know exactly like, yeah. that was a stupid we thing screwed ourselves over yeah, we're done um, but but yeah uh so I don't know what what are, is there anything else to discuss about this? There's new amiibos, um, some cool assist trophies, but which obviously were annoying for some people because they deconfirmed yeah. characters. <laughs> so Shadow died, uh, and yeah. Isaac from Golden Sun, uh, yeah. Guile from Street Fighter was a fun yeah, one. That was a cool um, one. Springman obviously was one that another character he's uh, basically deconfirmed. Doctor Wily's looking nice. Yeah, Doctor Wily was great. I, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, so there's some really good ones in the game. I think they have a great selection. Uh, there's a, there was too much like there was too much amiibos and there was too much me fighters with like new costumes and stuff. Yeah, uh, and they talked about the online as well. And it was like Sakurai was like, "Hey, we have this phone app. You should use it, I guess. Also, we're going to make something where you can upload videos to this app." And it's like Sakurai, have you heard of YouTube? Clearly not, because <laughs> it has a very bad relationship with YouTube and people uploading his clips. So. You know, I don't know who even cares about that shit. I wonder how many people... I really wonder how many people actually use that smartphone app. Of all Switch players, what is the percentage of people who actually use it for communication? I'm interested to know how many people have even picked up, like, Nintendo Switch Online um, yeah. before Smash has even come out. Are there, uh, were there people who were consistently playing games like Splatoon and, I don't know, maybe Yeah, like obviously, League, like, big were, communities like that are, are going to be they been like, it. right, yep, picked it up? Or has there but, like, the biggest who... game, multiplayer-wise, Fortnite, is free, and you right. don't have to have a Nintendo subscription to play that online. Things like it Paladins might... is free to play. You don't have to have a subscription I mean, for that. The, so. I'd be interested to know what their communities are like on Switch versus, say, Splatoon 2 and, like, how big... Well, has maybe maybe um, Fortnite has overtaken Splatoon 2 since the introduction of Paid Online. I don't know. but Yeah, maybe. Um, I think that it probably would do, though, wouldn't it? Because it's free, so... Literally yeah. anyone can download it and, and do whatever they yeah. want with it. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, I don't know. They talked about a bunch of bullshit in menus and it wasn't super interesting. All so. these languages, it's like, right, fine. Great. It's like, cool, yeah. but that's not really... like. As I said, I think the pacing was all off and it didn't really come together as a good direct. But there's some good stuff in there and obviously I'm still excited to play this fucking game. So new Smash Brothers, for God's sake. Of course I want to play it, but it doesn't seem as ultimate as I would have liked it to be, you know? Like, I really wish that they had better ideas for their single-player stuff and that it was more in line with what they have done in the past. Uh, um, and World of Light could be great. 
that that definitely it could be like we don't yes. know but it might i'm and as we said not convinced at all by spirits and the last additions to the roster aren't great but the space for these five dlc characters could not change everything but really make a big difference we'll we'll see yeah we're, we can be hopeful about it and there could be some some great picks as you said with animal crossing like we could have tom nook in the game which you've we've had isabel but nook would be a fun probably more iconic character but not as popular in japan i guess like isabel the only reason she's in the game is because J- japan just fucking loves isabel um so yeah it, it may be very safe it may be from the franchises that we think of as the large ones and we're just going to fill out the roster with those for a few more characters but you know they could throw an advance wars characters in there about ball- they could throw you a bone who knows if it's nintendo choosing then maybe they decide to go deeper into their i mean if they tied that to some some new advance wars announcement in the same way they you know? did isabel with animal cross oh that would just that would be quite a nice internet surprise um mm-hmm. send the internet on fire they, they love doing that absolutely um so yeah overall not a great direct but we're still excited for the game and that there is there is an opportunity for it to turn out better than we think it will so good to be optimistic about it i guess but we uh we just have to wait and see and it's just basically less than a month now so we're coming up on it pretty soon um and yeah i want to play this game i want to i want to have smash brothers in my life again and have an easy access to a system where i can just play mm, it um nice because i like 3ds but the wii u version is better and like my wii u is hooked up but i have to switch things around it's like it's not the easiest system to play on versus the switch no. so um switch is everything convenient. yeah okay well that pretty much closes out for the show uh thanks everyone for listening you can of course find us in loads of places over the internet uh we're on twitter of course you can catch our tnl account which is at tnl podcast that's where you get access to our discord our youtube lots of links to loads of different places that you can uh, peruse and you can find me on twitter i'm at lord nbz bally where are you i am at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 uh give me a follow i i've not been tweeting too much just been busy with things but uh yeah i'll try and try and step that up cool um yeah so you can find us there you can obviously head on over to our youtube channel youtube.com slash this nintendo life where we put up the show um complete with timestamps comes up yep with timestamps as well which is uh beneficial for a lot of people uh obviously and we also put the the music tracks in there the names of them so in case you miss them at the end of the episode then you can go and look them up in case you're still wondering or in the cases where i forget to put them on the end of the episode like i think i did last time uh you can go and see uh, in that description what they are so that's pretty helpful too um of course though we have to thank our patreon backers for supporting the show who is it that we have to thank bally thank you to our two ten dollar tier patrons they are of course my girlfriend caroline and atari alex thank you for your support and also thank you to our tnl sponsor tier 50 dollar tier uh patron uh which who of course is daniel v thank you so much for your support um as well and it's an important an important time for our patreon because we've now it's now been a year of patreon we've mm. we've done what we said we've done a, an episode a month um and then yeah so next week uh we've got our i guess it'll be our sixth episode of tnl takes and we're going to focus on a country close to both of our hearts which of course uh-huh. is scotland uh, yes. so we're going to talk everything in and out 
ins and outs of Scotland. And yeah, absolutely, be a nice way to round up a year of Patreon. Yeah, there you go. Um, and yeah, thanks to everyone who supported us. Uh, it's been very, very cool. And uh, and yeah, it's, uh, it keeps going from strength to strength. So thanks everyone for supporting us on Patreon and helping the show keep doing what it's doing. Um, you can obviously find us on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We are in all the places that you have podcasting apps. Just search for This Nintendo Life. And you can subscribe to us, which I'd recommend doing. So the episodes download straight to your device of choice. Uh, and you don't have to keep go searching for it all the time. Uh, it's, it's very, very helpful and very convenient. Um, and if you could leave us some reviews as well, that'd be fantastic. Go onto iTunes and review us. That is uh, the best way to get the word out and let other people know that we exist and that we're a podcast and that, uh, you know, we talk about Nintendo and all those fun things. So... That will be a good way for you to help. Uh, so you can go and do that. And I think that is pretty much it. Um, is there anything else to think about other than Smash Brothers for the future, Mally? I don't know. <laughs> if, if this was a Smash Direct, now is when we would introduce that you can play as Piranha Plant. So maybe we need our right. own TNL equivalent that we'd put it yeah. slide in right at the end. Look, Mally, we've all, all already established that Box Boy should be in Smash Box Brothers. Box Boy should um, be. Must be. That is oh, that would make my fucking year if one of the DLC <laughs> characters was Box Boy, and the fact that here's the thing though, Bally Sakurai hails from Hal Laboratories. That is a good shout. Uh, known for their simplistic characters, one of which is Kirby, who is the survivor of the apocalypse, who is just like Kirby but is a box instead of a circle. Fucking Box Boy, who has had a trilogy that should be released on Switch that they could coincide an announcement with. Fucking Box Boy. That's all I'm saying. That'd be a Get great your conspiracy game to stick, hats on, on, stick but... that on Switch. Stick that yeah. trilogy on. Yeah, uh, and make a new one, goddammit. Give me more Box Boy. I fucking love that series. So, so yeah, uh, that's that's our final statement of, of the show. <laughs> we need some Box Boy and Smash, uh, and, uh, and we want to see it happen. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be us. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back in a couple more weeks' time with some more uh, Nintendo talking about video games and all the fun things and, and things we like and uh, getting up on this game of the year uh, very soon. So that's going to be exciting, too. Um, so, yeah, uh, thanks, everyone. We will be back uh, very, very soon. Until then, bye-bye. interludes used on today's episode were The Kingdom of Torna and Lazaria, both from Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Torna the Golden Country. Copyright Nintendo, 2018.